Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Nearly three years after New York legalized recreational marijuana, Staten Islanders can finally purchase it legally within their home borough with the recent openings of the first local weed dispensary and delivery service. I think we've reached a point where most people understand that it's legal. This is just kind of what it is. If you don't want to do it, you don't have do to. it. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance public interest and advocacy reporter Paul Deota to discuss New York's legal weed market finally making its way to Staten Island with the launch of the borough's first dispensary and delivery service. Thanks for joining me today, Paul. Thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah, Excited. of course. Excited to talk smoky, I guess. Yeah, before we get into that, I'm just, you know, the new year's kicking off. It's been very busy for both of us, I know, and as this time of year often is for a lot of people, but we just had the State of the State address from the governor, State of the City from the mayor, some budget stuff in the works. So just obviously the big election year coming up. So I'm just wondering as we kind of move into 2024, what you've kind of got your eye on. There's a whole lot. My focus a lot of these days is City Hall, and I know Mayor Adams has an election next year, but... I'm sure everybody else is focused on uh, the presidential election, Congress, state Senate, state assembly. But yeah, as every year is, I'm sure this will break down to be an interesting one. It certainly will, especially here on Staten Island with the presidential and what we've seen in past presidential election years, how that can affect voter turnout and just kind of the discourse in many ways. So it'll be a busy year for our team, I'm sure, but very excited to kind of get into today's topic, which as I mentioned at the top is the city and the state actually calls it adult use Marijuana, they don't use recreational in the way that some other states have, which I thought was kind of interesting. But before we kind of dig into, you know, the Staten Island specific aspects of these things, I want to just do a little bit of the background info on New York weed laws. And so it was legalized recreationally in March of 2021 through the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act. You need to be 21 years and older to buy, smoke, possess any cannabis products still. So obviously still not available to the youth. And that's something that we'll probably touch on a little bit later in terms of the processes at some of these dispensaries. You're allowed to carry a certain amount. So you're allowed up to three ounces of flour or bud or what the typical person would think of as weed. And then you can also carry 24 grams of concentrate, which you'll see in the forms of like oils, vape pens, tinctures, stuff like that. And then in terms of where you can smoke, this is the thing that I actually found kind of the most interesting when New York legalized is that you can smoke weed pretty much anywhere that you can smoke a cigarette. So some places you can't smoke cigarettes include parks, beaches, restaurants, bars. So those obviously you can't smoke there, but 
you can smoke walking down the street if you want. You can't smoke in cars, even if they are parked and off, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then because it is still federally criminalized, you cannot smoke on any federal property. You can't bring it across state lines, even if you're going from a two states where it's legal, which is kind of interesting. So we had a lot of people going over to Jersey for those dispensaries. Those were opened earlier and then coming back to New York. You're not really supposed to do that, even though it's legal in both states because you're crossing state lines. And so I know that you have a little bit more kind of on how this all came about and what the legislation looked like in terms of who was working on it and the history of it. So I was wondering if you could kind of touch on that a little bit. For sure. I mean, it was something that certain pockets of legislators in the state had been pushing for for a long time. At the time when we legalized it, we were the 15th state to legalize, even though we don't call it that, but recreational marijuana. Currently, there's 24 states recreational, and only 10 states don't have either recreational or medical. We had had medical for a little bit before. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure on the date when that started, but yeah, I mean, this has been the trend for the past 15, 20 years of, I think, attitudes toward marijuana, more softening, and just the general idea that, you know, this is something if people want to use it, it's not overly dangerous, it's not going to kill you, it's a good way for a state to raise revenue. I mean, the problem persists that it's not federally legal, as you just said. After, when did we illegalize it? In the 20s? Almost 100 years, it finally came back onto the legal market. Yeah, I mean, it's been... Interesting so far, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And so we had the grand opening of the first dispensary last week on January 17th. That is the Flowery. They're located on the South Shore, 3022 Veterans Road West, right over by the Outer Bridge Crossing. So I went and covered that for the opening. I had done some reporting on it prior. I'd spoken with the owner. And so there have been a number of delays, which we won't touch on yet. We're going to get to that later. But in terms of opening, they were thinking that they might open by Memorial Day weekend last year. That got getting pushed back for a number of reasons that, like I said, we'll get into eventually, but finally did open. So went there and it was kind of what I would have expected from a dispensary. Shane DeMail for a stand out of this. We're gonna show you what it looks like on the inside, a beautiful shop, the Flowery in Charleston. Again, the first legal weed dispensary for adults on Staten Island Recreational. We'll give you a quick overview and then we'll take you for a walk around with Eric Bascom here. Eric Bascom, covering it for us. What's up, Eric? What's going on? Good, Shane. Good to see you. Listen, man, we need the uh, 411 here. It's a pretty straightforward process. They've got some iPads out on this table over here. Some we'll show those, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got some iPads out here. Now, is this is where you're placing the orders, Eric? Yeah, and they have plenty of employees kind of around. If you need any help with anything, trying to figure out what you might want, they have it by brand, they have it by category. You could search for flour, you could get vapes, you could get edibles, you could get extracts, whatever it might be that you're looking for. So you're going to do that, then you're going to go up front, pay at the register. They've got everything locked up in the back to make sure everything's safe and secure, bring it out to you. And uh, it's a pretty seamless process from what I understand. You know, I've been to some of the other ones in other states traveling throughout the Northeast or whatever it might be, whether you're in Maine, Massachusetts, have these things operational already. And so one of the ways I often think of and say to people, it's kind of more like going to an Apple store than going to buy drugs or in the way stiff. that we used to yeah. yeah, envision it. So you go there, all the products are laid out and displayed all over the place. They have these little iPads on a table where you go over there, you look through all their stock. They have... They call them bud tenders who come up to you and, you know, ask if you need help with anything, what you might be looking for. 
all types of product, whether it's flour or it's vape pens or edibles or pre-rolls and whatever you could really be looking for there. And they'll help you out if you're someone who's a new pot smoker, which I guess everyone should be because it's been illegal up until this point. So no one should have any experience with it prior to this, but they'll let you know, you know, what you might want to get and, and what might work for you, what kind of THC percentages you might want to make sure you're not having a too strong a reaction, I guess, if you're not too accustomed to it, because that's a big thing with if you've never smoked weed before, then you go and get a highly concentrated oil and you're smoking that. I don't think that's probably the way to start out. You might want to try an edible or smoke a joint or something like that. And so they can help you out with that. And the owner has been really great. He's been welcoming us in to tour the facility before they had opened. And he's just really excited to kind of be able to be the first person to bring an adult use dispensary to Staten Island. I think he had mentioned that people had been a lot of the customers he'd been hearing from were going over into New Jersey to buy their wheat and paying the toll and crossing state lines, which you're really not supposed to be doing. And so having this here in Staten Island, I think is really important to him. And it seems like the community has embraced it from what I understand. We'll get into that public sentiment a little bit later, but the dispensary opening, uh, I would say was a success. There were a lot of people there. People seemed interested in it, lots of product moving. And so very exciting. I don't know if you have any dispensary experience either in other parts of New York or somewhere like that. And just your thoughts on now the weed buying process moving away from the days of calling a drug dealer and meeting on the corner. And now you can just walk into a store and buy it like you would buy a new iPhone. Uh, yeah, went into one on the Upper East Side two weeks ago. Very similar to what it sounded like. The flowery was running, but you know, I mean, you go in, there's people who help you. Uh, they check your ID at the door, kind of similar to a bar with a bouncer. Mm-hmm. And you go in, you decide what products you want to purchase, and they give it to you, and you walk out. It, it's on your a, way. It's a very brave new world out here. More expensive than it used to be, I'll say that. Well, that's for sure, yeah. Well, especially when you when you factor in the taxes, and then depending on which products you're getting, some of them with the higher concentrations of THC are going to be a little bit more expensive, but... Yeah, and just to give people just kind of an idea on some of these things, the eighths of flour from the flour were costing somewhere between 40 and 60, depending on the dosages, and then you add taxes into there. And so it's definitely going to be above, I guess, what you would call street prices, or even what you would pay if you're going to one of the illegal smoke shops, bodegas, whatever you want to call them that are selling wheat all over the city illegally. So it's definitely a little bit more expensive, but the benefits would be this is all regulated product. It's all being screened by the state. They're making sure that everything is safe. People know what they're selling. Actually, when I spoke to the owner too, he was saying, I'm not really that concerned about these other illegal smoke shops, particularly because those people don't even really know what they're selling. They don't know the business. They just have some things and they sell it to the customers. They don't even really know what's in there. But you go here, you've got expert in the industry and these bud tenders are much more knowledgeable than the guy at the corner store, right? So the dispensary, definitely interesting. Definitely encourage anybody who's into that to go check it out. And 21 and older. If you're 21 and older. And yes, to be clear, you mentioned this, but I did not. The Flowery also has someone IDing at the door because that was one of the concerns in terms of making sure that this stays out of the hands of the youth. And so you had just written an article about the opening of the borough's first weed delivery service. And so can you talk to us a little bit about that? I believe they just started operating earlier this week, right? They started operating Monday. It's two guys that own it, Staten Island guys. It's uh, Michael Gertelman and John Cohen. Grew up together kind of thing. So it's kind of a nice little family business story sort of thing in a, in a weed, you know, market. They had applied for the license when they first opened in early 2022, one of the first groups to get it. And they had been basically ready to go in August, but what we're going to talk about in terms of injunctions and in terms of shutdowns and 
the essential halt on the industry, I mean, delayed them for a few months. It's an interesting business. It's kind of like you were from Drizzly or Seamless or mm -hmm. something like that. You just go on their website, you pick out the products you want. I think they're working on setting up a telephone number if you have questions or anything like that. You pick out what you want, you go to your cart, you check out. He says that typically in about two hours, they will get the product to your door and they deliver to all of Staten Island and South Brooklyn. They're based over on Forest Avenue in Port Richmond. I know not everybody in the community was particularly thrilled about it, but it's a legal business and they've hit the ground running. Yeah, yeah. And so the business is, the name is Nug Hub, right? Yeah. And so that's the website as well. So if you're looking for them, you can look it up there. And, you know, similar to the flowery, I took a quick perusal through their website yesterday and just all the kind of products that you would be expecting anything that you really need cannabis related is available there i saw in your article that they do deliver by unmarked car which for some people is uh something that they care about right they don't want to see yeah. a big weed van showing up in front of that. they don't want they're worried about their neighbors what their neighbors yeah. might think or you know whatever it might apparently be. they're not allowed to actually mark their cars so oh really yeah, yeah, yeah. they can have marked cars i'm guessing sort of for these types of purposes, maybe yeah. targets for thieves or... Oh, well, that, that makes sense to me, yeah. You get run off the road. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no, they're not allowed to have their cars work, so... Uh, but he, right now, is him and his partner who are running the deliveries, so... Uh, yeah, he's hoping to hire some people in the near future, but yeah, no, it's very exciting for a lot of people. I think just being able to now you could legally get it, either go to the store or you could just have it delivered to you. Like you would deliver a Grubhub order or something like that. And I think that the new buying process is probably a lot better for some people who didn't want to be dealing with drug dealers or we looking over your shoulder or the cops here, or am I waiting on this corner or whatever it might be. So I think that people in the weed smoking community are probably happy that these options are available to them. And I'm sure it's only going to grow in terms of the types of businesses. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little later too. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisey, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to the Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. We've got two so far. We think another delivery service should be opening up pretty soon. So, But you mentioned the delay in the rollout. And so I wanted to get into that a little bit because it's been almost three years since weed was legalized. And to note, actually, when it was legalized, you were able to smoke right away. So it was funny because you were able to smoke right away. You were able to possess it right away, but you couldn't buy or sell it. So there was no system in place to actually buy or sell weed, but it was still legal to have and to smoke. So it was really weird. And it took them forever to kind of figure out what the licenses were going to be. And then once they did get the licenses, there were some challenges from people who were unhappy with how they were doling them out. And so I'm going to I'm gonna kind of open it up to you here in terms of what went down here and why it ended up taking so long to get these off the ground. So long story short, the way the legislation that legalized marijuana is written, there's a lot of justice focus on it. So the idea that, you know, communities that were severely negatively impacted by the prohibition on marijuana, it's about sort of lifting them up and improving their quality of life for any way possible using the state's marijuana market. So Mr. Gertelman is a 
He was convicted. I'm not sure if it was a felony conviction, but it didn't need to be. So the licenses are called conditional adult use recreational dispensary licenses. Mm -hmm. So the way the law is written, the Office of Cannabis Management had the authority to prioritize certain groups. And it was so one of them is disabled veterans, one of them convicts or family members with, you know, weak convictions, family members of people with weak convictions, minority and woman business enterprises, that kind of thing. So there were these groups that had preference written out in the bill, but OCM had the authority to decide how to navigate that preference. Mm -hmm. And when they first opened the licenses, it was strictly for people with those convictions and their family members. Now, in that requirement was that the people who had these convictions would have had to have owned a prior business for, I believe, at least a year. Yeah, a year or two. Yeah, and would have to have some sort of demonstration of success. Mm -hmm. So that's who it was open to initially. And then in August of last year, so 23, a group of disabled veterans, mostly from Long Island, but I think they filed a lawsuit saying that, you know, we let this go for however many months or since this has been open, and we were thinking that you were going to open to us eventually, but you've yet to do that, mm-hmm. you know, directing this at the state. So they filed a lawsuit looking for relief, basically, that the state would allow them to apply for an application for a license and eventually be allowed to get that license. So a judge in his upstate, I think it was in Steuben County, he sided with the disabled veterans. He essentially put a halt on any openings, any new licenses, and that was in place for about four or five months. Mm -hmm. So towards the end of November, early December, they lifted that injunction and the businesses have been opening now and it's sort of been a a bit of a flood. I'm sure OCM has had, the Office of Cannabis Management has had a lot to navigate with all this. But yeah, I mean, in that whole lawsuit, Mr. Gertelman, the owner of NugHub, he filed an affidavit with a few other business owners around the state sort of laying out the challenges that Hey, we didn't ask to be first. Right. You, you, you guys decided. You decided that we were, we were be first. first. And like, we're just, we did everything the right way. We would just like to open because we put so much money into this business. Right. And I mean, when you have a business like that, I mean, this is any business, but if you're forced to close for however many months, it yeah. becomes extremely challenging to stay open because you're not making money. You're not, you might not have the capital to stay afloat. But I mean, that was sort of the case they laid out. So uh, eventually there was an agreement reached between the state and the plaintiffs in that case, and we're back to opening up weed shops around the state. Yeah, it was very frustrating for the people who were ready to go, and were like, we were going to open tomorrow, essentially, and then this comes down, and now no one across the whole state can open. You're eating costs on the facilities that you're operating, and you've already hired people, and whatever it might be. And so I know that that was a big point of frustration for a lot of people in the industry in terms of the way that the rollout went. Then there's the legislation said we should prioritize these groups. And then the state OCM says, well, actually, we're just going to pick this one group from these groups. The way it's written in the legislation, OCM had the authority to do that. Okay. It was perhaps not worded the best way in the legislation. And then after that, they go straight into the full open licenses. So now anyone can apply. Well, currently right now, applications are closed because they got flooded with them as soon as they open. But it was weird. They they kind of chose that group and then then it was just open to the public. So I, I kind of understand some of the frustration from the disabled veterans and other right. communities that might have been like, hey, I thought we were getting prioritized here. Turns out that wasn't the case. They said you might get prioritized, I guess. And then they said, no, you're not going to. So 
definitely some frustration there, but I'm glad that we've cleared that up and now we see some of these openings and we're probably going to see a bunch more in the future. So I want to talk a little bit about one of the big efforts right now across the state and with local law enforcement agencies has been trying to crack down on these illegal smoke shops that we had talked about earlier. They're all over the place on Staten Island and other parts of the city even more so. But there are some areas where you just walk in, it looks like a, a deli or a smoke shop or whatever it might be. And then you, they go, you ask for something, they go to the back room and grab it for you and you're able to buy weed there illegally, of course. And so the state is really cracking down on this. They've made a big to-do about it. They're publicizing it. One of our former reporters actually went on like a ride along with, I don't remember if it was the DA's office or with the NYPD, but they went to the smoke shops while they were going in and seizing product and all this kind of stuff. And the article was well done and there's some cool photos in there. And so they're making a big show of this, but they're actually trying now to introduce legislation in Albany that would allow even more enforcement action. And so I think right now, the thing is they can take the product, they can find the businesses, but that's kind of all that they can do. And so now they're trying to strengthen those laws. And so can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Right now, if you were operating an illegal smoke shop, it's largely akin to basically if you have untaxed cigarettes, it's considered more of like a financial crime than like a traditional NYPD crime. So in that vein, the NYPD doesn't have a ton of involvement right now. So it's the sheriff's office in the state that are mainly responsible for cracking down on these illegal shops. Those two agencies have very limited staffing. Like the NYPD, I think, is 30,000 cops. Mm-hmm. Let's say, you know, both of those are maybe a tenth of that. Mayor Adams is one of the most vocal proponents of this. He essentially wants this bill that is in Albany right now that's being uh, pushed by one of his biggest political allies, Jennifer Rajkumar of Queens. It would, what he says, in essence, give police the power to close these illegal smoke shops. Mm-hmm. What he says is, if you give me the authority, and he says basically I'll have every shop closed in the city in 30 days. All right. Uh, I mean, I think- I don't think he knows how many there are. I think there's, I mean, I've seen varying numbers, 1,500. I've seen like 2,000. I was going to say well over 1,000. Yeah. I've seen some pretty big numbers. And I mean, for a lot of these businesses, plenty on Staten Island, there's even more in Manhattan. I mean- Brooklyn as well. Brooklyn, Queens. I mean, they're everywhere. But in a lot of ways, what you're getting when- you get shut down or you get your products taken is that you're essentially having to cover the cost of those products and a fine. Mm -hmm. And essentially for these businesses, it's just the cost of doing business. Because for a long time, these were the only shops in the state that were open because the state's legal rollout has been so slow Mm -hmm. that these legal shops saw an opportunity, filled that void, and for a lot of people don't know the difference so they just go to the illegal shops and buy stuff that, I mean, it's not significantly cheaper. It's not like buying on the street, but I mean- no, But it buying, is untaxed. It's untaxed. So it's it's a little bit cheaper. I think that this legislation is going to wind up passing because it, it's not just a problem here. I mean, I've been to like little convenience stores up in Albany, mm-hmm. same exact thing. Like you, you can see it all over the state. It's a problem for guys that are doing it the right way. Like the guy who owns Flowery or, mm-hmm. and I know you mentioned that he doesn't think it's that big a problem. Yeah, no, but it is. It's competition <laughs> yeah. for them. And so I think that there's a couple different aspects of it, right? One, you want to protect the legal industry, right? Two, you want to make sure that this isn't ending up in the hands of children. The law is you have to be 21 and older. And I'm not going to name any names or locations or anything like that, but I've been in some of these shops 
around the island and I've seen people in there purchasing product who I would be stunned if they were 21 years old. So that's another aspect of it. You want to make sure that this is at a location where people are checking them for their IDs and stuff like that. And then there's also the tax aspect of it, right? Where the state stands to make significant, significant tax revenue through the legal weed industry. And so any sales that are being made at these illegal spots are taking away from potential sales that would be made at the legal spots and then would be taxed, would be revenue for the state. So I think that that's all the factors kind of coming together right. in one in terms of why they're trying so hard to crack down on this. And the other end of that is that the way the entire market is set up is that everything has to be done within the state. So the weed has to be grown here. Yep. The weed has to be processed here. The weed has to be delivered entirely within state. Can't cross state lines in any way, shape or form with these products, but a lot of these illegal shops are getting their products in from California, they're getting them in from Florida, they're getting them in from Absolutely. a bunch yeah. of other states. New York's concern is that, well, this is money that's not going to New York. Going to a New York business. Yeah. Right. No, it's so, a good point. It's the same thing as you mentioned with the untaxed cigarettes, right? You get, you look at the stamp on the bottom, it says Virginia right. or something like that, somewhere where they're cheap. And so, yeah, that's another good point. So I want to talk a little bit about what the public reaction has been to these legal weed businesses. I've heard pretty mixed reviews, right? Like when you're opening a business like this, you need to go present to the local community board, give them your whole spiel on like what you're doing, here's what it's going to look like, whatever. He said that like nine out of the 10 people who he spoke to were pretty excited about it. And then, you know, there's always going to be a couple people who are think about the kids and what about the children, whatever it might be. So, but in his experience, he said most people seem excited about it. But then I've got other people who might reach out to us via email or whatever it might be at reacting to our stories who are not so thrilled about it and saying we're encouraging drug use and there's the whole argument of weed as a gateway drug and whatever, you know, that might be. And so I'm curious in your reporting and just really your discussions with people around Staten Island, what the reaction has been that you've seen. I went to an initial community board meeting that Doug Hub presented at. And it was a similar thing to what the guy at the flower age described. But I mean, there was one person in the audience that was particularly obstinate to like the idea yeah. of marijuana, just like the idea of marijuana, nothing, right? not this particular business. But I think we've reached a point where most people understand that it's legal. This is just kind of what it is. If you don't want to do it, you don't, don't have do to. it. Yeah. Obviously, keep it out of kids' hands. I'm sure that that is not always going to be possible. You and I both grew up on Staten Island. There were plenty of places where we could buy alcohol pretty easily. Right. And I think that's just going to be a fact of life. And like the guy from The Flowery seems to have experienced, but I think most people have sort of just at the very least accepted that this is a fact of life now. Marijuana is legal. If we can't hold our same beliefs yeah but I, I mean there's always going to be those people who are you know you have people tell you the sky is green right. and, and when we'll swear it until they're blue in the face yeah people always say how older people are less inclined to change their beliefs on things or their thoughts on things i've met some older people who may have been opposed to weed or didn't smoke weed throughout their life and now that they're older and, and whatever they're like oh well i love those gummies they help me sleep and i i feel better i'm not in as much pain and all these kind of stuff so there has i think been in some ways a change in public opinion in a way that you don't really see too often with these kind of things and then i was just kind of curious because i feel like the local elected officials here on staten island have been pretty quiet on this topic for the most part you speak with them a lot have you heard anything from them of concerns are they excited about it are they upset about it and just kind of what are they what's their feel on this in large part it's much like the general public that this is just a fact of life now you know it's a done deal cats out of the bag kind of situation mm -hmm. one of the more surprising things i've heard from mr girdleman is that one of 
I don't want to say allies, but a person he's had a solid working relationship with has been Assemblyman San Pierzolo. But, you yeah, know, he's, he's said he's had a very good working relationship with him. Like, he's not, and this is Gertelman saying this, it's not that Pierzolo is necessarily in favor of legal weed, but he has the understanding that this is a legal business. This guy's not doing anything wrong. He's trying to do everything by the book. Mm-hmm. Let's see how we can help him out. He's my constituent. At the very least, I think people have just sort of reserved themselves elected officials included, that this is just the way it is now, and there's no stopping it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so before we go, I just want to talk a little bit about where the industry can go from here, right? So currently there are 53 or 56 dispensaries open throughout New York. And so that number is relatively small compared to what they're expecting in the coming years. So can you talk a little bit about like how many licenses have been issued and what, what this might look like in the future? We just got uh, numbers from OCM this morning. It's January 25th, Thursday. And they said that right now there are 463 provisional CAURD licenses. So nine times the amount yeah. that have been open so far. Yeah. And I mean, I think like you said earlier now that it is open to the general world. Not currently open, but that it is going to be open to the general mm-hmm. public. I think that number is going to skyrocket because mm-hmm. I mean there are a lot of established businesses around the country that I'm sure had their eyes on New York and were itching at a way to get into the market. But the way the legislation was written, it did have these preferences for certain groups in the state. But now that that's gone, a lot of those out of town businesses are just going to find people like within the state that they can help set up. Well, and I believe that's the case with the flowery as well, because they have Florida Florida locations. So yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to see that. But just the fact that we've got 50 something now, and we're going to get up to 400, 500, and then probably beyond that in the future, I think it's just people are going to be surprised looking back in a couple of years at what this looked like, how slow it came along, and then just kind of where it is now, because I think we're going to get to the point where there's going to be over a dozen locations on the borough alone. There's going to be over a hundred in New York City alone. There's going to be hundreds throughout the state, if not thousands at some point. And so I think like what you were just saying about community and elected official reaction, I think people have just, if they haven't already, they've got to accept that this is just kind of the future of the industry and this is what it's going to look like in the same way that there's dozens of liquor stores all over the place and you can buy beer, you know, wherever it might be, you're, you're going to kind of have the same thing for weed. So I think people just need to kind of prepare themselves for that. And and other people are going to be really excited for it. And they're ready. They're saying, bring it on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been a just shopping and it's it's a very interesting experience like yeah but, absolutely uh, yeah exciting stuff well thanks for joining me today paul always a pleasure having you on i look forward to speaking with you again soon for sure thanks so much thank you for listening to the staten on advances from the scene if you like what you've heard please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit silive.com for the latest on all these stories and more thank you for supporting local journalism